So welcome into the week 17 Backroads Podcast. State high school football championship games for Division One and Division Two were played. We're going to cover that as well as tons of basketball talk for you with a special guest, Brad Ernst from HoopInsider.net. I'm Craig Spree with the, Back, with the Backroads Podcast, Happy Sports Network, PressPassSports.com. I'm Bobby Brown, Texas 1A fan. That's a lot to spit out, Bobby. I, you yeah. know, I knew I was going to mess it up eventually, but that's okay. <laughs> that I, is I, a lot to say. <laughs> <laughs> we got a ton to talk about, including those uh, state finals games and some incredible performances that went on. But we were able to bring in a special guest, and we're going to start with boys basketball today. And we brought in Brad Ernst, uh, one of the guys who runs HoopInsider.net. Brad, welcome in. Glad to be here. So, Brad, my first question for you is, and if people don't know who HoopInsider.net is, tell us who you are and what got you started in this. Okay. Well, it all started, um, so me and a friend of mine uh, in college, he he got us his first coaching job uh, at a little school called Slocum. You know, we were good friends. I tried to go to a lot of his games, and I would go to tournaments. I try to catch all his tournaments and go to his games, and uh, through that, I, you know, I got to become friends with some of the coaches. Then there was a, I was, you know, I was active on message boards and things like that. Well, there was a message board in East Texas, you know, where Slocum is. And I was, I was, per, I got active on it. I started running that message board and uh, eventually I got other coaches on there and they were, they started posting I, and then I put my phone number on there. So I started getting more contacts and then that website went down. And around that time I met Chad Cooper, uh, who ran, who, who had been running hoop insider for a while. He, he stopped doing it for a little bit and then he decided to bring it back. And then, you know, he ran, he did Southeast Texas and I was doing East Texas. And then as we got, as we got bigger, we just started covering more areas. Um, and you know, I eventually, I, I start. I started going to tournaments. I, I, uh, I went to the Waterburger and I met a couple coaches out in West Texas. And I said, you know what? I'll start covering Region One West Texas. And so next year I did that. And then eventually I said, you know what? I might as well do Region Four and cover the whole state. And so that now eventually we. So when I joined up with Cooper, we did Hoop Insider and just, you know, after a couple of years, just branched out to the whole state after we you know, more people started finding out about us. Now, are you somebody who has loved basketball your whole life, or is this a game that grew on you? And are you really focused on high school, or do you like college and pro as well? I played high school basketball, played little dribblers, was in little dribblers, all-stars, played two years of varsity basketball. So, I mean, I played, yeah, I loved playing, and I actually, uh, I helped coach little dribblers locally. I, I'm from Orangefield. I, I coached little dribblers the all-star teams I did that for close to 10 years so yeah I like doing it at the lower levels um I'd say high school I probably keep up with the most so um but yeah I've grown up in basketball my whole life and you know my all my friends like basketball we played basketball and watch basketball so it's always been something I've been around so do y'all split up the classifications who, you me and Cooper? Yeah, you and Cooper. Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, he runs the 6A. He covers the 6A, 5A, and then I do 4A through 1A. So that's that's kind of how we do things. 
it's always it's always been like that. So with four A to one A, that's that's a ton to cover for for one person. How much extra time? Because what people don't realize is you have a real job. How much yeah. extra time of your life do you spend going through and, and making sure that you have at least some kind of understanding of all four regions in four classifications? I guess to answer that, you know, when you're keeping up with, when you do cover all the classes, you pay attention to everything. So you see everything and pay attention to everything. So you, you kind of have an understanding of, of all the, all the teams. And after doing this for a while, you just, you, after keeping up with it, you know, who's good, who's not, and who's returning what. So, you know, after, once I got into it and started doing it, I, I kind of get a feel for everybody. And, and now, you know, I just continue to keep up with it. So it's, it's gotten easier. And plus I have, being on Twitter, you have so many contacts to draw from. If I need information, I can message. So the great thing about Twitter is you, you have so many, so many coaches now know what uh, and get on Twitter and make team accounts. And, and, and I've had coaches tell me they only got on Twitter to follow us. And so um, if we need information, we can message people, coaches and, and teams have done a great job of, of sending us their scores and information it's it's just made really Twitter just made our life easier where we the information sent to us and if we need it we can message people. Yeah, I've been begging all the coaches in one A who don't have Twitter to get one just to give us just to send in scores. Yeah, I was gonna I was just gonna say on that you know I I actually Bobby I I came along and met a couple of years ago uh, online she came along and. 1A is always the hardest to get information. I started noticing she was uh, posting information, and uh, she's been a big help on some of those smaller uh, West Texas. There's some of those hard to get uh, West Texas 1A. Uh, that those tend to be the hardest because I, I I have some relationships with 1A in in uh, East Texas, so she's a big help to me with the with the 1A out in West Texas. Well, we definitely have the same goal. Get some of those scores from teams that don't really send them in. Um, that's what I did most of yesterday, track down scores. So we're about to go hot and heavy into 1A boys district. Uh, most, A lot of them start at the 1st of January. I know a few select ones have already started. Are there any teams that you have watched this season? So um, I went to the Central Heights tournament. I've been to the Central Heights tournament and the Big Sandy tournament. Um, at the Big Sandy tournament, I got to see Welder. And then at the Central Heights tournament, I got to see Calvert. Uh, Calvert was – Calvert has two starters out, um, so they were playing a little shorthanded, but um, uh, really competed well, you know, uh, lost by four to center who got ranked in 4A and, and played uh, played some other teams really close. So, you know, I was pre impressed with how they were able to compete, uh, you know, being shorthanded. When you talk about Calvert, what did you think of the play of the 6'7 junior MJ Thomas, the big man in the middle for Calvert? Oh, yeah, he's the real deal. Um, you know, he's, he's going to be a load for uh, – I mean, that's – that's going to be the thing with whoever Calvert plays in the playoffs. It's like, do they have the size? They have someone that can match up with this guy because he's, 
you know, he's, I can tell, I saw him last year and he's really grown and filled out and he's, you know, he's going to be a load and, you know, he's very skilled, you know, he can play like a guard, uh, but he's, he's very good underneath. You know, the question is with whoever they play in the playoffs, do they have anybody that can cover him? And, and, you know, they're going to have to spend a lot of attention on him. So that's, that's going to be, that's going to be the issue for these teams playing them is, is uh, how are they going to, how are they going to guard him and how they, you know, handle him throughout for four quarters. Yeah. And he's a junior. So someone's going to have to watch out for him for the next two years. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. They're just having him on the team. They're, they're going to be a state contender and, uh, but they, they do have some guys around them that can play. They got a couple of guards that can really play. And um, I was told that the, the starters that were out are pretty good too. So um, I wish I could have seen them at full strength, but um, that, I think they're going to be a tough matchup for, uh, for anyone. When we talk about 1A boys basketball, just in general, who are some of the teams that you like that you think are going to go really far in the playoffs once we get there? So just to kind of break it down by region, Region four, you have two, you have four teams at the top. It, it that it's, uh, it's going to come down to, uh, you got in that uh, district down south. You got San Perlita and McMullen County, and then you have the other district with Calvert and Dimebox. Those four teams, if you told me any of them won it, it wouldn't shock me at all. I mean, they're all that good, and you know, right now they're all ranked, I believe, in the top seven. I've already looked at the bracket for region four and it's, it's really a shame because the way the bracket plays out, because I believe now you have four teams make the playoffs, the way the bracket shakes out, these teams are going to, these districts are going to play each other in area. So two teams in the top seven are going to be eliminated in the second round of the playoffs. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. So um, in that region, I, I think uh, I feel like any of those four teams could win it. So that definitely, uh, you know, when they play each other in districts, worth pe- keeping an eye on. Um, and then in region three, I think Grayford's a pretty, pretty good favorite. And then region two, Erion County, you could, I, I, Bobby, you can back me up um, or disagree with me, but I think region two, Erion County seems to be a pretty good favorite. Um, I, I'm still kind of waiting to see how that region is going to shake out. Um, and then, of course, Region 1, uh, Tex Line, I feel like they were a pretty good favorite. They've already beaten Spring Lake Earth by 20. And um, I think maybe their best competition might come in their district with uh, Will Dorado and, and uh, Nazareth. You know, and having, talk, having talked to someone – who has seen Wilder, seen and played Wilder Auto in Nazareth, um, you know, they seem to think Wilder Auto is the better team. So that's going to be interesting going forward. Can't wait to see that. Yeah. So, yeah, I think in Region 1, Texline, that district with Texline is really going to be the one to pay attention to as far as how that, that shakes out in the playoffs. Yeah, Craig, Happy is in that district. Yeah, you don't have to remind me of that one. We, <laughs> we, we might end up being the best four play, fourth place team in the state when this is all said and done. Yeah, that's, that's a tough district for sure. Well, Brad, that, that's a great look at, at kind of a region by region. So let's get a couple of things out of the way for those who listen because Bobby will really appreciate these questions. So first of all, you hate my team, don't you? You hate every team out there. You've got to. 
<laughs> Who, me? <laughs> you. How many times do you get asked, well, you're not covering my team or you haven't said something about my team. You must hate my team. <laughs> I just mainly report the scores and I, I look at it, analyze who I think are the best team. So, you know, I either think your team's going to be in contention or not. So, I mean, you know, if I don't mention your team, I guess I just don't think you're going to be in contention. But, you know, that, you know, come up and surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> He takes it a lot better than I do, Craig. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you you don't know how many times we get tweets online. Oh, we don't get any respect or or all that, you know. But as far as like, you know, I'm very involved in the rankings. So I, I always, you know, take it seriously. And I always try to make sure everybody's represented and, and make sure I have the top 25 in there. You know, you can argue – sometimes about where teams deserve to be but you know I always try to make sure if a team deserves to be ranked they they be in there so yeah I'm I, I'm I'm throughout the season Bobby can tell you this I message her throughout the year and say hey you know is there somebody I'm overlooking out there because every week I'm looking I'm looking throughout the state and I'm saying you know you know I always try to make sure I'm getting the the, the best teams in the rankings so yeah, we had one such conversation just yesterday yeah those are important conversations. And, uh, I just, I just have to laugh at that one because I see that a lot. I know Bobby gets that a lot of, you just don't like my team. Well, no, it's that, that's not the goal here. I, I don't know that Bobby has a favorite team. Just like you don't have a favorite team. You're just yeah. trying to get the best information out there. It's kind of an ebb and flow thing. Like right now, I feel like it's hard finding the top 25 teams in one a, cause you get, it seems like a lot of years, you when you get down past the top five and ten and fifteen, you get down in the twenties, and and it's like every week the teams in the twenties are losing, and you're like, oh, that, is there, you know, I got to keep finding someone else that deserves to be ranked, and it's just it's tough. It's like sometimes it's just hard finding twenty five one eight teams to rank. Why um, don't you just do it like a top fifteen or twenty? I could, yeah, but I also I help I help TABC out. I give them some input for the state rankings, and they do a top twenty-five. So um, that's why it's always been twenty-five. Um, so I, I, I help them out. Gotcha. So. Excellent. Well, Brad, we really do appreciate you joining us on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, always look forward to seeing your rankings, see what you guys have. Uh, as you said, if you're a team out there, especially in one A, especially in West Texas. Uh, where sometimes getting scores is really tough. Go out and create a Twitter account and, and support not only your school, but help get that information out to them. I, that's how Brad and I met about five, six years ago when I created the Happy Sports Network. And it is amazing how it helps get your schools out there by creating those accounts. But, Brad, we do appreciate you joining us. Uh, best of luck this year. And uh, I am sure that Bobby and I both will be talking to you down the road. Yeah. Anytime y'all need anything, give me a holler. I enjoyed it. Thank you, Brad. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Brad. Good to talk to you again. Me too. Well, Bobby, always great to catch up with Brad. Like I said there, I got to know Brad when we started the Happy Sports Network and always willing to talk to people. And I know he's been a big help to you as well. So really good to have him on the show. Definitely. I really enjoy talking to Brad. I actually, during basketball season, uh, I talked to him, oh, probably at least at the very least once a week. <laughs> Well, that, He's that a great a, guy. Yeah, that is a great source of information. Hoopinsider.net. 
if nothing else, go go follow them on Twitter. You, everything you want to know, you can pick up on basketball there. Uh, they got a website. They got forums. You name it, they've got it. So uh, go check them out. But before we go completely into basketball, now that we've had Brad on, let's switch back to football because we did have the state championship games going on, Division One and Division Two. Let's start in Division Two, which was the two o'clock game, and that was the Strong Greyhounds defeating the Motley County Matadors seventy-three to twenty-eight. And I think what this really became was the coming out party for Grayson Rigdon. I think a lot of folks in six man kind of knew who he was, but people just on the edges of six man or maybe who are not down in region four, uh, unable to see them play. They got a look at him, 17 carries, 226 yards and four touchdowns, including a record that will never be broken, a 79 yard touchdown run. He's now tied with two other players. Uh, he also was six of seven through the air, 159 yards, four passing touchdowns, 12 and a half tackles, two forced fumbles, one and a half tackles for a loss. He was named offensive MVP, and he's a freshman, Bobby. A yeah, freshman. What, he's 15 years old, 15, <laughs> 16, something like that. Yes, he, he's a man child. <laughs> uh, we've talked about that before, but I think that, yeah, you're right. He, you know, his abilities were on display for everyone to see. And that's not to take anything away from the strong Greyhounds because, you know, he's got to have a lot of folks around him to make him look that good. I mean, you still have, you know, Jet Millsop, you've got Caden Parsons, you've got Lorenzo Garcia. You can't forget about Lorenzo. To me, he reminds me, maybe you remember this and folks, like, Lorenzo Garcia, especially at that running back position reminds me of Lorenzo Neal back in the day running for the New Orleans Saints just a bowling ball yeah low center of gravity I mean (laughs) he's just a brick wall coming at you and and he does not back down he's got that attitude of I'm gonna go over you because I'm going right there and that and if you try to stop me well it's not gonna happen yeah definitely and he's speaking to Lorenzo he got defensive MVP in that ball game you know, for Motley County, Jake Richards, 13 carries, 133 yards, and two touchdowns. He also had six and a half tackles on the defensive side for them. I thought this game really changed, and it was interesting because Coach Bigham decided to come out and throw the ball a lot there in the first quarter, and I think he was – maybe he saw something on film or maybe he was trying to, you know, stretch out the defense so he could open up some running lanes. But when Cason Roy's left in the first half with the injury, I think that really changed the dynamic for Motley County. I think you're right. They had to make some very quick adjustments very early in the game. And that can really mess up your team, especially when you're in the state championship game, you know, you know, anxiety and nerves are all at a all time high. And then that happens and you have to adjust on the fly. Bigham is really good at adjusting on the fly. Um, But, you know, sometimes the personnel that you have may not be especially when you lose such an important position like the quarterback. Um, We hope that Cason Royce gets better. Hopefully he'll be healed up and back, I guess, in the gym if he plays basketball in no time at all. I I think you're right. I think if that wouldn't have happened in the first quarter, then we probably would have seen just a little bit different game. Yeah, and that really, really shut down Motley County. Uh, only 296 total yards in this ball game. But I, I do think, you know, 
end of the day, even if Royce is healthy, I still think Strawn probably wins that ball game. Uh, just such a talented team. And I told people up here on, on a lot of the things that I do, Strawn probably had to be the most underrated number two team out there. And I think they showed it in this ball game. Yes, the most underrated number two team ever in the history of <laughs> six-man football uh, after what I uh, witnessed. But, you, you know, I, you're right. You know, I chose Strawn to win, and there are definite reasons for that. You know, I saw them in that semifinal game, and they were just all over the place playing very, very good defense. And, of course, on offense, they have just a few weapons. Just a few. And so the Strawn Greyhounds, they win the uh, Division II title over Motley County, 73-28, to 28, crowning the Greyhounds as the Division II champions. Now, so wasn't that their fifth? That was number five, wasn't it? Yeah, it I was. think you're right. Number five. That's yes. impressive. State championship number five. A lot of teams out there still looking for uh, state championship number one. So to have five in the bank is very, very impressive. It is. Well, speaking of teams that never had a state title in the bank, and they have one now, let's move up to Division One. the game that started at 11 o'clock on Wednesday. And the Westbrook Wildcats, I think, shocked a lot of people. Didn't shock me. Or I picked me them either. to win this ballgame. But they take down the May Tigers 72-66. to 66. And speaking of coming out parties, and you and I had been told about this guy earlier in the season, keep an eye on him, and people did not lie. I saw it in the semifinal game against Happy. Cedric Ware, both offensive and defensive MVP, not only did he have 304 yards rushing and seven touchdowns, he did throw a touchdown pass. He also had 12 tackles and two forced fumbles in this ballgame. He is unreal. And I think what I talked about when he played Happy, you saw again against May, he's got such great balance. It's hard to bring him down on first contact. It really is. And, you know, he's got that extra uh, speed that kicks in with that one little step and it's hard to catch him or even get a handle on him when he's coming by you. Definitely. And you know, I, I talked about too, I thought one of the differences could be passing. I thought Shama Stark had a very efficient game for Westbrook, five of 10, 175 yards through the air, two touchdowns. To me, he just keeps the defense from totally focusing on Cedric Ware. And that really, I think, was a huge difference for Westbrook. I think that allowed Ware to really have some running lanes because I think May knew if they just put five on the line, Stark could hurt them. So a really good game there from Shama Stark. And then Peyton Dominguez on the uh, defensive side helping out Ware. Six and a half tackles, three and a half of those for loss and a sack. He, he is – that's a junior, by the way. He played really well on the defensive side. And Cedric – Ware is a junior as well, so we get both of those back for Westbrook. Uh, that's going to be interesting to see um, who was going to take Shama Stark's place. He's senior, correct? That uh, Yes, Shama Stark is a senior. So they're going to have to replace the QB and probably a few more others. Jimmy Roberts. Jimmy Roberts is another one. I mean, I mean, he that last play of the of the game. He just reached down there. I've never seen anyone try to pop a football out so hard in my in my life, and it just come flopping out of there. Uh, of course, they had to review it, but at that one angle from the back of the end zone, you can really see it well. That that was such a close, such a bang-bang play, but you're right. It, when I saw him hit the ball, it just made me think of the old uh, – going to the old uh, carnivals in town where you would take the big old mallet and, and try and ring the bell. 
It was yes, almost yeah. like that's what he was doing, you know. I'm going to measure this, and I'm going to ring the bell. He hit it so hard, and so uh, May was just an, unable to bring that one down. And when we talk about the May Tigers, it's not like they got destroyed in this ball. Such a good ball game. Came down to the final play of the game. Caden Hawk in this one, 20 carries, 177 yards, and three touchdowns. He had eight and a half tackles as well. Avery Williford, I mean, we can't talk more about this guy. 12 carries, 176 yards, and three touchdowns, seven tackles. Blake Harrell uh, helped him out through the air, four of nine, 146 yards passing, and three touchdowns. To me, though, a big stat that I took out of this game, and I noticed it in, in the box score, May did not have one single tackle for loss, and I think that is huge for them, especially when you got a guy like Williford up front unable to get a tackle for loss. That's, that's something I think that they have lived on all season long. I, I think you're right. Uh, not to take anything away from the defense because that was blood, sweat, and tears oh. defense right there. And I'd give anything if I could have been on that sideline because, you know, that's my favorite type of defense. <laughs> I love to watch that. It's awesome. And it was just, uh, I think some people call it a slobber knocker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I looked at David's pictures, although I did watch it online. You know, I had to work, so I couldn't go, but. Some of David's pictures he took, I mean, you just look at him and you're like, oh my gosh, that was a war in there. A war. It, it was. I've, I've seen both of those teams in person just as you have, and both of them are so physical, and they played this game exactly how you thought it was going to be. It was more scoring than I anticipated. I thought it'd be lower scoring than than what we got, 72 to 66 the final, but yeah, it, it was so physical, and you could tell that both teams just going at it, This was one of those games where, in the end, you hated to see a team lose because they gave everything they had. Westbrook was just unable to come up with one more extra play, and really that was the final play of the game when Jimmy Roberts knocked the ball out of May's hand. Yeah, I'd hate to be number four. Oh, I felt so bad for him, but, you know, when you got – big old huge Jimmy Roberts and he's swinging that arm down on the football it, I don't know that a grown man could have held on to that <laughs> so tough so the Westbrook Wildcats pick up their first state title uh, they defeat May 72 to 66 and so you know this kind of leads to this next piece because you mentioned it so let's talk real quick so all state accolades came out for both division one and division two and we'll keep here in division one the MVP, Cedric Ware from Westbrook, is a junior. Obviously, coach of the year goes to Homer Matlock there at Westbrook. The offensive MVP, the senior from May, Caden Hawk. And then the defensive MVP, the junior, Peyton Dominguez. Wow. Talk about a one-two combination coming back next year in Ware and Dominguez there for Westbrook. And then the newcomer of the year, a kid that you saw and you were really impressed with, Joy Pavelka, the freshman from Abbott. Oh, yeah, he's quite something. One thing that I look at this all-state list for Division One, and yes, the two, uh, the MVP for state from Westbrook, a junior, the defensive MVP from Westbrook, a junior. Uh, that's got to be some, that's some scary stuff for, for people next year. I'm telling Can you. Can you imagine? I mean, you know, Coach Matlock's probably – doing the happy dance because he gets these two kids back uh, I mean that's just uh, lighten the flame and so you know Westbrook they may be right back where they ended well they they definitely could uh Hadley White Bo Payne uh, his son coming back as well they're they, 
the cupboard is far from bare there. Now, obviously, replacing Jimmy Roberts and Shama Stark is going to be difficult. But, uh, man, you got so much to work with. I, Westbrook, to me, uh, may go into this uh, next season as, if not the number one team in the state, one of the top two or three teams for sure. Oh, I, I definitely look for them to be number one coming back in 2022. And then in All-State uh, Accolades in Division Two, Player of the Year, no surprise here, the freshman Grayson Rigdon from Strawn. Uh, <laughs> Coach of the Year, I like this one. Shannon Waters at Benjamin. The Mustangs played so well this year, something nobody expected. He gets Coach of the Year. I thought that was fantastic. Weren't the they 10-1? Off- and one? I, That sounds about right. I mean, that's incredible because Benjamin usually, you know, they're, they're not up there. But congratulations to Coach Waters over at Benjamin keep on doing the good work over there for the Mustangs. And I see they're getting a new field. Yes. That's awesome to see there, Benjamin. Mm -hmm. Offensive MVP in division two, Lorenzo Garcia, the bowling ball from Strawn, the defensive MVP, Grayson Rigdon's brother, Griff Rigdon at Strawn and the newcomer of the year, someone in your neck of the woods, the sophomore Isaac King there at Jayton. That's a great list right there. It is. And so you can go to the Texas Six Man Coaches Association website. Uh, you can check out all the all-state, all-region selections. They're all up there. I kind of know the person who helped put them up there. Uh, she kind of sort of knows what she's doing. She helps out the Texas Six Man Coaches Association. So uh, the, the one and only Bobby Brown helping to do that. But go check that out. I listed some really good players. And, you know, the one thing that sticks out to me is, and it's kind of scary, when you look at both of those lists, the number of underclassmen who were honored both uh, as a first team, second team, or honorable mention who are coming back should make for a great 2022 season. I noticed that too. There's lots of sophomores and sprinkled in there. There's more than four. There's about four freshmen, four or five freshmen uh, in there. You know, Joey Pavelka, you've got a really good freshman over in Knox city. There's some really good underclassmen that I think, wow, they're coming back. And, you know, their coaches have got to be really excited. So we're going to need to keep an eye on that. And I mean, I'm going to jump way ahead to the summer here. But, you know, maybe we could do like a preview of each team um, leading up to August of 2022. Let's just let's just put that out there. Coaches, if you hear this, if you'd like to send us a little preview. It's never too early. (laughs) (laughs) You're exactly right there. I promise you, any team that didn't win the state title this year has already looked ahead and said, okay, what do we have coming back? What do we need to do? Uh, I need this kid and this kid in the weight room because I need him to get bigger and faster and stronger. You know, that's exactly what's going on. So football is so great. Last note we've got here, uh, Terry Crawford, coach at Abbott, a really good guy. You and I both know him well. He was named the NFHS Texas six-man state coach of the year. So congratulations to Coach Crawford there. Yeah, shout out to Coach Crawford. I'm so glad we got to have him on the podcast. Um, he's a great guy. He's such a, a nice person to talk to about football or really anything. So I don't think they could have given it to a better guy. I'm with you there. So that kind of uh, closes the door on the 2021 football season. I know that uh, makes a lot of people sad. It makes me sad. I'm going into withdrawals as we speak. So <laughs> uh, I may not be, I may be a little grumpy for a couple of weeks, but hopefully I can get past it. 
Well, you're going to have to get out of the uh, out of the Grinch stage there, Bobby, because it is basketball season. Oh, so hard. I mean, district has already started for so many of these teams. Of course, we had Brad on at the top of the show talking uh, the uh, top uh, teams out of each region. So let's kind of go through that real quick on the boys' side. Uh, if you look at the TABC top 25 as of December 13th, a new poll will come out tomorrow at but, noon. At I'm noon. always online on noon at noon <laughs> looking for those so I can update the website. So, well, I, I don't think we'll see a change at the top. The text line tornadoes, they started out district with a bang, a hundred to 38 win over happy uh, number two Calvert. And we talked about MJ Thomas. there, such a good player getting a lot of help there from the senior Caden bridges as well. Uh, so that's a team that uh, I, you know, and Brad talked about it, being able to shut down a six, seven playmaker like Thomas is really hard to do at the 1A level because you just don't see players that big all the time at the smallest level. No, you don't. And there's very few teams who have kids that are even 6'4", much less 6'7". I mean, we know Strawn has a 6'7 kid, Caden Parsons, and he does play basketball. I noticed they went to the Mount Calm tournament. Yeah, get this. They played Wednesday in the state game. They won it. They went to Mount Calm to a basketball tournament on Saturday. And guess what? They won it. They won it. Welcome to 1A. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're right. There, there's not many teams who have big, tall kids like that. They just don't have that luxury. And um, I know Bartlett had a hard time there in District 29 with Calvert. And uh, Calvert beat them to go one and zero in district. They started Friday, and they beat Bartlett fifty to twenty six. And MJ Thomas had nineteen points, twelve defensive, and nine offensive rebounds. Again, when you're six seven, it's easier to get those long arms up there and get those rebounds. But he also had some help from senior Caden Bridges. He poured in sixteen points and had eight assists. And their next district game for District 29 is in January. Is next year. I know it sounds so weird to say that, but it's true. January 4th. Yeah, definitely. Uh, number three, Grayford and Brad talked about them. Uh, probably the, the favorites coming out of Region 3 always seem to be there. Uh, they've got their first district game coming up January 7th. They did lose to 2A number two, Lipan. Uh, if anybody knows anything about basketball, losing to Lipan is nothing to be ashamed of. No. Yeah, they're 63 to 41, but Lipan is about as good as they get year after year after year. Oh, yeah. Like for what, the last 25 years? I mean, you say Lipan, and that's synonymous with basketball. It is. Uh, number four, the running Cowboys, McMullen County out of District 32. Now, they start district play January the 11th. Uh, but, you know, this obviously is a district because they've got San Perlita in there. San Perlita, number sixth in the polls. Uh, they've moved up. I, it's, uh, all of us talking about them. That's what got them up there. No, <laughs> really, it's the play of the Trojans uh, there. They lost to 5A McAllen, 77 to 71, and to 5A Sherryland Pioneer, 60 to 43. It tells you how good they are because they had two losses and they moved up in the rankings. So uh, San Perlita well, really good. 5A teams. I mean, come on. Exactly. They have their pick of the litter when it comes to, you know, basketball players. So, yeah. So that McMullen County, San Perlita uh, matchup, we'll definitely be looking for that one in the new year. Uh, 
Sandwiched in between those two is Dimebox, also down there in Region 4. They begin district play Friday. Uh, they defeated Buckholtz 87-25. to Next up, they've got Bartlett, a team that Calvert handled real easily. Uh, so that, that will be a good one there. Uh, so out of Region 4, number 2 Calvert, number 5 Dimebox. They're out of District 29. And then you got number 4 McMullen County and number 6 San Perlito. And that's exactly what Brad was talking about. Two of these teams are gone. Uh, by the time we make it to the regional quarterfinals. Oh, you know, and that's just so sad because that happens so much of the time, especially when there are such good teams in one district, like District 3. <laughs> you know, there's four teams that that could that could beat other teams in other districts handily. But then you look over here and you got all the, these four teams in Region 4. Yeah, it, that's it's, brutal. You know, those coaches are just like, oh, when am <laughs> I going to get a break? <laughs> exactly. Uh, number seven, Erion County out of region two there. Uh, they defeated two El Dorado uh, last week, 54 to 31. They've got Ozona coming up on Friday. Uh, number eight, uh, speaking of district three is Will Dorado. Uh, they're new to the top 10 this week. Um, of course, they got an easy win over Channing, 58 to 29. Uh, they lost by one point to 2A number one Clarence in a team that Texan lost to by four points. So if that tells you anything, maybe these two teams are close. I do know that Clarence uh, was missing one of their key starters against Will Dorado, so that'll make a little bit of a difference. But this Texan-Will Dorado game is going to be fantastic when that one goes on. Uh, and when we talk about that district, number 12 just outside the top 10 is Nazareth. So you got three teams in the same district in the top 12. Well, uh, we won't have to wait for very long because Texline plays at Lorraine, uh, Will Dorado on January 11th. So, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, that's only a couple weeks away, Craig. <laughs> Boy, you got that right. We'll we'll be a lot uh, happier and uh, uh, fatter after that point, though, because we're going to get through <laughs> this Christmas break, and you know how that is. We just all sit around and eat. So, <laughs> well, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, number nine, Lingleville, they're in District 19. They start December 31st with three-way. Uh, that is an odd district matchup date. Well, it is, and you'd be surprised. There are several districts who start their district on December 31st. I guess they they, they want to get it done before the new year. I, I just really don't understand the thinking behind that, but um, there are several. This isn't the only district that's doing it. So if you get a win on December 31st, do you like pop the champagne and celebrate because it's the new year and you get a win? I don't know. <laughs> well, um, yes. <laughs> so many words. Yes. <laughs> and one thing about Lingleville, you know, they're number nine, but they're, they're in there with Huckabee. And Huckabee's going to be pretty good. They're, they're ranked number 18, so we'll have to watch that district as well. And then rounding out the top 10 is Dodd City out of District 23. Uh, they began their district play Friday night, and they did, defeated Savoy 82-18. to 18. Their next district matchup is against Fannindale on January 4th. Once you get past Calvert, Ninebox, McMullen County, and San Perlita, there's still some uh, different regions in that top 25. Uh, we do have the TABC top 25 listed 
on our website under basketball. If, if y'all want to go take a gander at it, and I update it every Monday after lunch when it's released. So let's switch over to the girls' side, and we got several notes for you, but we'll start in the top 25. Uh, obviously, and we've been talking about them for a while. Sands is right there at number one. Uh, they drummed to a new deal on Friday, 52 to 26. Uh, lost to 3A number one Canadian uh, by three. Next up for them is 2A4 Sand, and that game will be going on tomorrow. Sands looks really, really good. They do. I'm going to make the time here real quickly to go watch them play because, I mean, if you look at the top 25, <laughs> that district, District 8, is insane. You've got Sands, you've got Borden County, who's number 10. And then a team who just climbed into the top 25, and I fully expect for them to be higher than the 25th spot come tomorrow is Klondike. And that's that's three out of the six teams in that district. Wow. Well, that'll be a tough district and uh, makes for a really tough, whoever gets third in that district makes for a really tough matchup for the, another, for the number two team coming out of the matching up district. I always, I always find that interesting when you get really tough districts because you finish second and you go, really, you're going to make me play the third place team? <laughs> well, we could give you the second place team, but you don't want anything to do with them either. So Yeah, that's true, especially in a, in a district like District 8 that's just loaded. Most definitely. And you talked about Borden County at number 10. Uh, they uh, uh, begin district play January 7th. They will host number 25, Klondike, the Lady Cougars there. So uh, a really tough district there in District 8. Number two, Huckabee out of District 19. They are 1-0 in district after uh, knocking off Gorman Friday night, 59-29. to uh, Erion County, they're number three. Their district starts January the 7th. Uh, their last five games uh, have netted them wins over five larger classification opponents. So Erion County playing up and playing well. Number four, Netches. Uh, they are in District 27, which began district play December 7th. Yes, there's there's several teams in that district, and they like to spread it out. And they that district has always been that way. Wow. And and you got a note here, and I find this interesting. So the number four Netches girls, they lost a district game to unranked Wells on Tuesday, 45 to 38. Yes, they did. I did. Don't know what happened there. I couldn't get any information. So anyone from Netches or Wells want to uh, get on the horn and email and let us know what happened. Um, I did not expect that. But then I went in and looked at Wells record and, you know, they've they've been chipping away this pre-district season. So a big one there for Wells. And speaking of big wins, we'll go to number five, Grayford. They're in District 21. Their district started Friday, and they started with a loss to Throckmorton, 44 to 33. All right, another another surprise. Uh, Throckmorton, you know, last year they were really young, and I thought, oh, you know, they showed flashes of brilliance is what I like to say. Here they are beating Grayford, number five, Grayford. So we'll see how Throckmorton fares this next week. That is impressive. Number six, the Owls from Chirino. Uh, they won their first two district games over Leggett and High Island. Uh, so through 16 games there for Chirino, Sailor Holloway. See, you should have named your girl Sailor. That's that's a cool name, Bobby. It is a cool name. I don't know. I like Justine, but <laughs> but Sailor is a really cool name, especially for a basketball player. She led the Owls in scoring, averaging 
14.2 games and she's close closely followed by Jesse Durrett with 12.6 points per game. So impressive there from the Lady Owls. Number seven, Nazareth. It's been a long time since things have been so quiet when we talk about Nazareth. They are in District 3. Uh, they've picked up their first two wins. So they st- they've already started district play. Uh, so the Swiftettes there doing well. Number eight, Jayton, uh, District 5 on January 7th. So Nazareth, Jayton, Sands, Borden County, all in the same region. Klondike, a very competitive region here. Uh, Jayton lost to Hermley 52-38. to So we expect them to uh, fall, but, man, Hermley, the Lady Cardinals have been good for a lot of years here. They shot 61% in that game against Jayton, and we expect them to rocket up the uh, uh, rankings this week. Definitely. Coach Hopper does a really good job over there at Hermley, and um, he's so very passionate. I love watching him coach because every second he's on the court, those girls are listening to everything he says, and um, I don't expect Hermley to to have a bad season with him at the helm at all. Well, I got to tell you, if the rankings are, are any foretelling of what's going to happen in the playoffs, I would not want to be in Region 1 because – it is flat out packed in Region 1 when you start looking at the number of girls' teams ranked highly there in that region. Oh, definitely. Uh, it's quite something. Um, but, you know, that's not any different than it normally is. You know I mean, who, who I'm, I'm quite surprised is not in the 20, top 25. Who would that be? That would be the defending state champions, the Dodd City Lady Hornets. Wow. That is a shocker. Yes, it is. When they fell out, I was uh, quite shocked. So, Yeah, most definitely. Uh, going back to the rankings, number nine, Highland out of District 14. They were open, but they start Friday, and they get Hermley. Oh, lucky, lucky, District 14. Hermley, Highland, yeah. We'll see how they do because, you know, Hermley's down further in the, in the rankings, so. We'll see how Highland does there. I'd kind of like to go to that game. Maybe I should head on over there when they play each other. So there's a look at the uh, top 10 on the girls' side. Some notes uh, from the girls' side as well. Uh, we talk about teams beating each other. Number 11, Robert Lee. Those girls uh, bested very best, 42-39. to 39. And what was an exciting uh, non-district ball game uh, Friday night. So uh, Robert Lee knocking on the door of the top 10. And we've had some losses, so it wouldn't surprise me to see Robert Lee uh, pop up there in the top 10. We talked about Hermley. They defeated Westbrook 53-22. to That was a matchup of number 16 and number 17. So I'm with you. I, I think Hermley's going to leapfrog Westbrook. And the Card- Lady Cardinals is definitely a team to watch for. Definitely. They, they always are. They always are. So keep an eye on them. So we talked about Coach Crawford there at uh, Abbott winning the uh, six-man coach of the year uh, for the football team. Let's talk about the Abbott Lady Panthers basketball team and Coach Matt Hale. He picked up his 200th win and a District 25 win over Golson on Tuesday. Uh, So uh, congratulations there to Coach Matt Hale. Yes, and he does a great job over there. I talk to Coach Hale a lot. One thing that surprised me was that Abbott dropped their second district game to Aquila, 33 to 28. I mean, you know, just five points, but still, you'd think that Aquila, maybe we should start paying attention over there. 
Yeah, it sounds to me like there's a lot of ladies teams that we need to be watching for, and that'll be fun to watch as district moves on because kind of once you get midway through the district point, you start to get a really good feeling of who's going to be really good, uh, maybe who's not as good as we expected, and who is surprising everybody. So that that will be the fun part as we move through the district schedules. And then the final note out of girls basketball, we got Buckholz senior guard Gina Melendez scored 40 four points in their district 29 win over Calvert on Tuesday, 62 to 32 at 44 points come via nine, three pointers. She also had two assists and eight rebounds there in the lady bat Badgers win. So uh, what a great game there from Gina Melendez. Shout out to Buck Colts. You know, those lady Badgers better watch them. They beat Calvert. They're, they're doing well in district. So hopefully they can keep that up. Well, and, you know, speaking of keeping things up here, what about, let's talk about the new facilities that they've got in Petersburg. They're doing so many cool things over there. Uh, they've got a new gym that they played in for the first time on Thursday. They've had the original old gym since the 1950s. And let me tell you something, that is an old gym if you've ever been in it. It really is. Uh, Larry sent me pictures. Of course, I have been in I played in it. Uh, but yes, it's been in use for a long time. And Larry Martinez, uh, one of our photographers and also the author of Six Man Magazine, uh, said he believes that every buff ever has played basketball in that old gym. That's that's, that's crazy. That's saying something. But they have a brand new gym. It's beautiful. That that is awesome to see. I love when you know we talked about Benjamin getting new facilities petersburg uh, getting new facilities i think it's outstanding because a lot of these 1a's teams and we see it have been in the same gyms they've been in the same football stadiums for 40 50 60 years and as wonderful as they are they really start to show the wear and tear and it just as much as maybe it is a a home court advantage at times um i think it's great to see them get new facilities and kind of come into the 21st century Speaking of coming into the 21st century, I have a special story about I was waiting on Buck Rogers to show up. <laughs> oh no. We just uh, ate yourself, by the way. I know, I know. <laughs> you did too. <laughs> I used to love that show. <laughs> what was it called? Buck Rogers. I don't remember. I don't yet. remember. It was a great show, though. <laughs> oh, boy, we're old, Craig. <laughs> okay, so back to this. Terlingua. It was a school. It was instituted in 1996. So really, in the grand scheme of things, that's not that long ago. Because all of the kids in South Brewster County had to make a 176-mile round-trip bus ride. Uh, every day and that got to be a little bit too much so uh, Terlingua had their own school built and it was actually a lot of trailers and it was hot you know how hot it gets down there uh, in the big bend area it's 105 in March sometimes mm. well they may not have had very many kids but they all love basketball they started a coach Reed Reagan Reed um, he is from a town down there and he started a girls basketball team and they didn't have anywhere to play except for outside. 
they have an outdoor basketball court and they lovingly refer to it as the Sky Dome. <laughs> and this yeah. is not the Sky Dome in Toronto. No, no, no. This is the Sky Dome as in cement court outside. It's a full court and they actually have folks that come and play. Um, over the years, the Terlingua Roadrunners, the girls are called the Paisanos, which I looked it up, and in Spanish, that means countrymen, um, and they've invited teams to play. However, those teams who are used to playing in a gymnasium thought the landscape of the Sky Dome unhospitable. So Terlingua plays an independent basketball schedule, which means they pull they're all the girls from seventh through 12th grade and they all play together that way they can have a team uh, a full team and they can actually play the cool thing is as of july 2022 yes just six short months six seven short months now from now terlingua will have a multi-purpose building where they can move basketball games indoors there's no more sliding in the gravel, no more stickers, no more mesquite trees, no more hard concrete court to navigate. Uh, one of the freshman players on the 2009 team, um, there's been several articles written about this team. There was one 2007 from Texprex magazine by George Farr talking about playing in the, the girls playing in the Sky Dome. Then there was another one 2009 from the Bryan College Station Eagle by Robert. Cessna talking about the Terlingua girls uh, going to basketball camps at Texas A&M and how it was very different because they didn't have to um, figure out how hard the wind was blowing when they were shooting the ball. Isn't that interesting? And then here in October 2021, the Big Big Gazette uh, wrote an article by Mimi Smith and has some pictures in there. The cool thing is that one of the freshman players on the 2009 team, Chelsea Mendoza, is now the coach at Terlingua. She said in the Big Bend Gazette article, although the Sky Dome will always hold a special place in our hearts and taught many of us the meaning of building character, toughness, and appreciating the small things, the feeling of finally having a multi-purpose gymnasium at our campus almost feels dreamlike. As a coach, I am grateful to be part of this milestone and, an ex and am extremely excited for the new students, especially being able to finally compete in district basketball. There were several other players I'd like to read some of the things they wrote because it gives testimony on what it was like to play in the Sky Dome. Because you can remember, there's no walls. And so when the ball goes out of bounds, you have to chase it <laughs> through the gravel, through the mesquite. Say Rodriguez, who's the class of 2003, she said, as a player, playing outside was hot and sunny. But it was adventure, an adventure I will always remember. It's almost the same heat you have in the gym, but with the difference that there were some days that we would have that wind. Same wind that would make us chase the basketballs into the desert. Chasing the basketball was one thing no one liked doing because you had to jump fences, mesquites, creosote, 
on the basketball court, you wouldn't take any charges. That says how hard it is. Sarah Fuentes with class of 2009 also adds, it was an honor to play at the Sky Dome. It will be forever my home. I still go back when I can and catch up with coach on that court. I literally have scars on my knees from falling on that hot concrete, but I wouldn't change it for anything. Sierra Lowe from the class of 2006, she says there was no wall for us to bounce off or um, after trying to block a layup, most of us learned to just slide in the gravel and hopefully not eat it. Watching oh. the girls from the opposing teams try to do that was, well, quite entertaining to say the least. That just makes me hurt listening to that. Yes, it does. This is a really cool story. And you know, when we have asked people to write in their cool stories and send us an email, well, I got a message from a Terlingua mom and she sent me pictures and she sent me all those articles. And so I read up on it. This is a beautiful story. I'd love to go to the Sky Dome. You know, I've been to Terlingua several times because it's just right near the uh, entrance to Big Bend. Maybe I'll go look up the Sky Dome when I'm there next time on my motorcycle, maybe get a, a picture with it. That's That would be kind of cool. But I did add the pictures. I wrote a little summary. And I also put out the link to the October article in the Big Bend Gazette. So you can all go read all about it in their new building and see the pictures. But the mom did send me a picture. <laughs> this is awesome. All it is is gravel. And there's a basketball way down at the corner. And she said, this is what happens when the ball goes out of bounds. Oof. That's crazy. That's going to be one of the wildest stories I've ever heard. You know, and they play teams like Marfa comes to town, Presidio JV, Alpine JV, you know, anyone within a like a 200 mile radius because, you know, it's spread out down there. Can you imagine the first time? So here's Bobby Brown as a senior in high school, and Jaden schedules Terlingua, and you go down there to play, and you show up, and they go, and you're looking around and go, well, where's the gym? This is the gym. I See, I would have loved that. I, <laughs> I love stuff like that. I mean, you're talking to a person who played in one of the final last games ever played in the McAdoo gym. Now that is dating me. It was my eighth grade year. See, we just need to go back in time and we'll take you down to play at Terlingua. Uh, you know what? I would. I would. It would be great. But, you know, I want to say good luck to Coach Reed, who has um, for many years really built that, that place uh, for those girls to get them to have them be able to play basketball. And he's the superintendent of the Terlingua CSD now. And I want to give a shout out to Coach Mendoza and all of the girls playing for Terlingua. Your time is coming and you can bet that we will be watching. I mean, anyone who play on an outdoor court since seventh grade, I mean, you know, they're all playing together and they have those conditions. They're tough. Those girls are tough. That is, yeah, yeah. Tough, tough is not the word. Holy cow. I can't imagine just ah, the thought of sliding through the gravel, just 
makes my knees hurt thinking about it. <laughs> it makes my whole body hurt. <laughs> oh, but you know, you adjust. Like she said, you know, she slid. You learn how to slide through the gravels and you just hope you don't fall down. But there, I'm sure there's a, 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 a skill they have perfected. Hmm. Nothing like going up to take a shot at the free throw line when a mosquito lands on you. Hey. So what do you do? You stop, you swat at the mosquito, and then you shoot again? I don't know, but, I mean, these girls played in all kinds of weather. Uh, in the article, Coach Reed had said that they played. The only time they couldn't play was when there was ice on the court. Think wow. about that. <laughs> think about that. Because that implies that they actually did think about playing on the ice. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So anybody out there complaining about their gym, never complain anymore. No, just, you know, you need to go visit the Sky Dome at Terlingua. I think it's the coolest story ever. I mean, this is like right down my alley. I love that. This. That is awesome. So that's the story of Terlingua and their Sky Dome that the girls play basketball in. So great there, Bobby. Yeah, and let's don't forget, go look at the pictures on the Backroads Podcast webpage uh, web at 1afan.com. There's about five pictures and a little summary, and then you can go read the article. It's just, it's just really cool and such a Texas thing. I love it. Well, Bobby, that's going to wrap it up for us here on the Week 17 Backroads Podcast. So just so our listeners know, we're going to miss the next two weeks. We decided that Christmas and New Year's were kind of important. So we'll take a couple of weeks off. Not a whole lot of basketball going on, although there'll be a lot of tournaments right after Christmas. Always is. Uh, but we'll hit you back up in that third Sunday. You don't want to miss it. And we'll, we'll be hot and heavy and basketball we'll have so much for you. But until then, for the Backroads Podcast, I'm Craig Spear with the Happy Sports Network and PressPassports.com. Have a very Merry Christmas. And I'm Bobby Brown with Texas 1A Fan. We'll miss you guys for the next couple of weeks, but we'll be back. And it'll be basketball, basketball, basketball. Until then, have a wonderful holiday. Have a great new year with your family and your friends. And remember, go forward and do good.